My name is Nathan, and I am the center. And today I'd like to just share um, some of my experiences of life, the experiences I've had since I started coming to Bodhi 12 years ago. Um, I have had two main kinds of experiences. I've actually had completely different types of life. I started off here, I was single, meditating a lot, and really um, trying to learn everything that I could um, through classes and books uh, about how I could control life, how I could do life so that I could win it. So that, um, kind of like the, the analogy that comes to my mind is the Jedi Knight. And I thought if I could just learn enough, I could kind of will life to go in my way. And that was years, years of doing that. Um, <clears throat> years of long, um, very um, hours and hours of meditation. Uh, and I could feel the energy in my body, and I got really good at um, experiencing life as this, um, as guidance, as sort of um, nervousness. Um, and um, <clears throat> eventually, I just learned to surrender and follow that um, guidance. I couldn't actually control it the way that I had hoped that I could. And it didn't work <clears throat> as I was a Jedi Knight. And, you know, things could just happen. I mean, it did sometimes, and then I would be so grateful and thinking I had done a good job at everything. But um, not long after that, I met my wife, Lola. We have four kids. Um, we had a house and diapers. Um, and none of that seemed to respond to my Jedi forces. <laughs> so I... I basically kind of came into another experience of life, uh, an experience where basically instead of me trying to control life and understand how to use that energy that I thought of as life, now life was happening all around me. Life was this continual um, activity, a kind of like um, chaos that I couldn't even come close to controlling. Um, so I just kind of surrendered for a while and just kind of let it happen and figure out how do I respond to all of this. Um, the Buddha said uh, in his Four Noble Truths that life is suffering. He called it dukkha. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly or not, but um, that was kind of my experience of life. I mean, kids were cute, and I felt very noble. I actually had a T-shirt. I don't. Um, somebody... I don't know, if Bonnie, if you had given it to me, but uh, it said, um, changing the world one diaper at a time. <laughs> and so I felt very um, honored on, on one hand to be a parent, but also completely frustrated by the fact that I couldn't even remotely control it. Um, anyway, um, we just finished, um, Caroline, our six-year-old, and I just finished uh, the first book in the Harry Potter series. And there's a scene in the, the book where... Harry falls into this plant called Devil's Snare, and the more he struggles against it, um, the more it grasps him. And so that was basically kind of my experience of life, was that I'm here, I'm surrounded by all these things, and the more that I would fight with them, fight with my wife, fight with the kids, trying to control it all, the more entangled I became. And the trick in this movie, the answer for Harry, was just to relax and to allow it. And as he did that, his, the, the plant actually released him um, from its grip. And so that has been my lesson most recently, is just not to resist. 
um, not to resist life as it was ha as it's been happening around me, and just to kind of relax into it. And um, so, in summary, um, out of both of these circumstances, two completely different lifestyles. One when I was single, now married with kids. To me, the 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 learning has been just to learn to trust life, learn to surrender to whatever's happening, and um, and so no matter what um, your path might be, no matter what your circumstances might be, I just want to remind us all that um, walking to walk on this earth is a miracle, and it is time now that we can um, celebrate ourselves, celebrate the lives that we have whether they displease us or not, but just to celebrate them as the miracle that they are. Thank you. And the contest would be this. The family home would be given to whichever of his children could fill up the living room in their home. They wondered how on earth they were supposed to do that and looked to him for some guidelines, and he said no. Just let your creativity run wild and dazzle me with your imagination. So they each had a day to fill the room. And they started off the first day with the oldest son, Trey. He brought in boxes and boxes and boxes. And he began to unpack candles, candles of every kind. He had little bitty tea lights, long tapers, and votive candles. He had scented and unscented candles. He had candles of every shape, from balloons to bears to Thanksgiving turkeys. And he began to put the candles all over the room, on tabletops, up on the mantel, and along the floorboard, all the walls of the room. And then he started to light the candles. And by the time he finished, the room was so bright, it looked as though the sun had climbed in the window and had joined them in the living room. Mr. Copeland sat back and said, okay, you did fill the room, Trey. They gathered for another two or three days later, and it was little sister Nia's turn to fill up the room. She couldn't think of any object to bring in, so she decided to bring people into the room and have a party. The bell started ringing soon, and before you know it, the Copeland living room was filled with people. They mixed and mingled. Some danced. Some listened to music. Some ate some of the delicious food, and some just talked. Some played dominoes. Some played cards. And Nia made sure she told every person there to interact with her father so he would know she had indeed filled up the room. And at the end, Mr. Copeland sat, and he said, Nia, you did fill up the room. I hadn't expected people, but you did what I asked you to do. They gathered for the third and final day, and it was younger son Drew's turn to fill up the room. And he brought in bags and bags and bags of balloons. He had helium balloons that floated up to the ceiling and pretty soon covered it from corner to corner. He had latex balloons that he put in the room, and there were so many Big balloons, small balloons, skinny balloons that clowns make. And before you know it, the Copelands couldn't even see each other because the room was literally filled with balloons. Again, Mr. Copeland sat back and, Drew, you did a good job filling the room. So needless to say, the Copeland siblings didn't get much sleep over the next few days. 
wondering if they had done a good enough job of filling the room to earn the family house. They came back together, and Mr. Copeland said, well, this was a little harder than I thought it would be, but I've made a decision. And I know two of you won't like it much, but I've decided to award the house to Nia. Now, the people who she invited to the party may not have stayed in the room as long as Trey's candles lit up the room or as long as Drew's balloons filled the room. But what they did was fill my heart with memories. I had so many memories of all the love that we shared in this house. I remember all the Thanksgiving dinners we had sitting in that dining room at the table. I remember when Trey got his first haircut at the kitchen. And I remember Drew blowing up a science project in the basement. And I still remember the day Nia walked out of that front door going on her first date. I lived a lifetime of memories. And what it did even more was give me more memories that will warm my heart and last for a lifetime. No one said anything. Mr. Copeland says, so sons, are you speaking to me? Trey broke the silence and walked over and embraced his little sister and said, good job, sis. Drew joined the hug. And Mr. Copeland sat there looking at his children, who he loved so much, and thinking about his life, which had been a very, very good life. He said a silent prayer of gratitude for the woman he loved almost 30 years and for these children who made his heart sing with pride and love. And he knew without a doubt that the best things in life aren't things at all. A couple of weeks ago, I cycled into a mental state that made me feel uh, manic and depressed. Um, I felt this many times before because I'm bipolar, but this particular time I was very aware of what was happening. A lot of times I'm not. Um, you know, it was during this 12-day cycle that I stopped doing everything that I had purposefully set up in my life to do to avoid these types of cycles. I thought that if I had specific spiritual practices in place that it would soften the severity of the cycles. Well, during this particular 12 days, I stopped talking to my friends. I started drinking a lot of alcohol. I didn't get a lot of sleep. I wasn't open and loving to my wife. I stopped going to my kickboxing class. I wasn't present at work. Um, it was very overwhelming, and to feel overwhelmed in that state is very scary thing. Because every day, I have to choose to celebrate life. I have to choose to live, because I don't naturally feel connected to living. I don't naturally feel happy. I don't naturally feel celebratory. I have to make that conscious choice. So I set up particular things in my life, like spiritual practices, self-care, science of mind, affirmative prayer, all these fancy terms, which is basically just taking care of yourself and feeling connected to the oneness. I've set up all these things in my life so that every day I can make a conscious choice to say I'm going to be positive, 
I'm going to be affirmative. I'm going to be grateful. Because if I don't, okay, if I don't choose to celebrate life, I very quickly, I have an amazing gift where I can just shift into being very negative. Okay? I can be very negative, very judgmental, intolerant, and that is not the truth of who I am. That is not the truth of who I am. I am full of life. I have a blast living life. I'm abundant. I'm an adventurer. I have all these things that I love about myself and my life, but if I don't make that conscious choice, it's a slippery slope. So I feel like consciously choosing to be positive and consciously choosing the affirmative, consciously choosing to celebrate life is just that. It's a choice. And so I invite you to, if you choose life, okay, if you choose life, choose to celebrate it. Turn up your favorite song, dance around, and celebrate life. So I am Melanie, and I am the center. So, when we were creating this day, um, rather than hearing from one person, we really wanted to hear from who this community is. And I just want to say over and over and over again how extraordinary and magnificent the human beings that come here are. So, thank you so much for sharing. So there are just a few things that I wonder if you'll inquire around with me. At this time every year, the staff gets together and spends a day in spiritual practice. And our day is comprised of deep listening and visioning for who and what this community is wanting to become. And so during, during our practice a couple weeks ago, as we were in our listening and visioning, it came very clearly through for each of us that our intention for 2016 is to really be inside of the commitment that you are the center, you are the community. These speakers aren't the center, they aren't the community. The chairs aren't the center, they aren't the community. You are the center, you are the community. And I don't know that there's a more important time to explore that and say yes to that. You know, Caroline Mace was in Australia last week doing her tour, and she said something very powerful. She said, the inner work of personal transformation is not about personal healing for the sake of personal healing but to ultimately become someone prepared to take that healing to others, to become a channel of grace in the world. This is the nature of what it means to be called to spiritual service in the world today. It is time to bond the power of our spirits and direct that power toward the collective act of positive transformation. If not, we will be transformed by events unfolding around us. Participation creates destiny. Passivity 
leaves us to the hands of fate. So when we say I am the center, I am the community, it is not, um, it is not that it stops there. It's that we're really called to bring the, our greatest selves in service of humanity. And I'm grateful for the willingness of this community to do that. And I do believe that we're being called into a next greatest expression for that. Some of you saw a post I did the other day. Um, we're moving into a new period of evolution as a community. There's something new that's moving through us. This community is having conversations that are new, that are causing um, deep levels of shift and awareness. Consciousness is being wakened in new ways. I hear it in all that we're doing here. Meg Wheatley says, in spite of current ads and slogans, the world doesn't change one person at a time. It changes as networks of relationships form among people who discover they share a common cause and vision of what is possible. This is good news for those of us intent on changing the world and creating a positive future. Rather than worry about critical mass, our work is to foster critical connections. If this community does not create critical connections for you, then we are not doing our job. If this community is not a place where you can find uh, intimacy and belonging, if this is not a place that you turn when you're in need, then what have we really created? No matter how extraordinary our Sunday celebration service is, we are here to awaken each other to our inherent power and purpose, not just in service of ourselves, but in service of the collective. So I appreciate your willingness to do that. I appreciate your willingness to take that power and presence into every area of your life. And I wonder if you would join me in prayer. Very good. So we're going to do some prayer, and during the process of that, there will be an opportunity where you'll be invited forward. You know, it is said that when the vision of Bodhi's spiritual center came through Reverend Mark Anthony Lord, that it was as if a flame was ignited and embers went out into this vast universe. And the embers of that flame are the individuals that have come through this place over the last 12 years. So the invitation is to say yes, to, to say yes to being the center of God consciousness everywhere that we are at any given moment. To say yes to being the beloved community everywhere that we are in any given moment. And when we forget, we promptly remember and get back up. So I just invite you to close your eyes, go into the stillness, and enjoy this beautiful music. Thank you. 